Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, uh, we're going back to the mailbag. Uh, we have some stuff that we didn't get covered yesterday. I got an email from a guy that sent me an article from Marcus and Milchap about um is the country, is the commercial real estate industry really challenged right now with the problems that the banks are going through? So really are they tied together, the banking problems and the commercial real estate problems? And in some ways they are, in some ways they're not. And the article kind of did the same thing I just did. It hedged both sides of the story, saying that, well, in general, there's really not a problem. The The banks are fairly good condition right now. They're not overextended and so on and so forth. Uh, so I, I think that, remember, you got to keep one thing in mind. Everything that Marcus and Milchep puts out or anybody else that's a commercial real estate broker firm puts out is what they want you to hear so that you'll feel comfortable in transacting in real estate, which is really kind of interesting because I really move in contra movement to what the market does. So if the market goes up, I get out of it because, you know, hey, this market's high. It's a good time to sell, get my real estate, get out of my real estate, except the stuff that is my bread and butter that I hold on to for cash flow. If the market is going down where people are afraid to buy and people are forced to sell, the prices come down because people are forced to sell and no one's out there buying and no one is a bad term. Fewer people are out there buying, you know, the people like myself that are looking for the for the deal. Um, that's when you want to buy. In my case, you know, that's the way I see it. That's how I've made all my giant gains where I've mm, trying to explain to you something. I make real estate investments both for the fact that some of them pay me uh, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20% cash flow and that's my base that I live off of. And then there's a whole different level of deals that I do, which I buy low, renovate them, wait till the market's ready, and then sell them back to the market. Um, this isn't really flipping. I'm not buying and flipping them. I'm, I'm really buying them to hold them uh, from the bottom of a market to the top of a market. And in those situations, I didn't even really buy them for that. It just happened that way because the market gave me that opportunity and said, screamed in my ear, hey, you've made so much on these, you better cash it out now. Because why? Because I bought older properties when I first started. Uh, when I first started, I was buying 60s and 70s vintage stuff. When I really got into it and became successful, I said, I'm not going to buy any 70s stuff anymore. There's too many problems with 70s. I started buying 80s thinking, and way back when, remember, at some point, 80s was brand new. You understand that? In my career, I started in the 70s. So 80s was brand new stuff. So I started buying 80s stuff. Now, 
80s stuff is old stuff, and so I won't go, you know, below 2000s now. Um, whereas 90s, I'd say I'd buy 90s stuff. There's just none of it out there. During the 90s, they kind of stopped buying or stopped building stuff because of all of the recession that occurred and the real estate debacle that occurred during the late 80s. They just stopped building, and there wasn't a lot of good real estate built in the 90s. So we picked back up in the 2000s. Now, having said that and going through this situation, as we see this, this article goes on and talks about three types of problems that will occur, even though it's saying there's really not that much of a problem. He talks about three problems that will occur. And the first types of problems that will occur are people who bought their properties with aggressive underwriting. We saw one of those just the other day go out of go out of business or get foreclosed on. It was uh, three thousand two hundred units in Houston, Texas, purchased by a guy who um, really, from all intents and purposes, we can figure out, uh, was a terrible operator, uh, a terrible syndicator, um, took massive risks, underwrote the properties in terrible form during the highest part of the market with terrible financing. Now, you couldn't do everything any wrong, more wrong, how to pronounce that. They, you couldn't do anything more wrong than what this guy did. And he lost them all within a year or two of buying them. New in our Houston area marketplace and gone out of our area of Houston marketplace. This is the example they brought up, but this example has been floating around everywhere this last week or two because it's big news. You know, this is the first big falling out of a deal uh, that we've seen. But no doubt there will be others, people that bought aggressively uh, when the prices were as high as they could be. Uh, the deals barely penciled in at the time. Now you throw in taxes going up by, you know, 50%, insurance going up by 100%, um, employment, you know, a payroll going up because of inflation, and boom, 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 boom. These guys can't make their payments, and they go out of business. So we're going to see that, and I, you know, I don't know how to say this without sounding crass. I'm looking forward to it. And you say, well, Dell, could be some of your people. Uh, it's going to be very few percentage-wise of my people. There are going to be one or two that won't listen to what we teach them, and they go ahead and do what they want to do their own way. Yeah, that's going to happen. Got to admit that. We're going to have a few flops. But in general, the overall marketplace out there is people that don't know what they're doing. I'm sorry, that sounded wrong. Let's retract that. There's a lot of people who know what they're doing, but there are a lot of people out there that don't know what they're doing, and those are the people who are going to lose. They, you know, they never bothered to get any education whatsoever, and so they're going to take a hickey. The next type of problem that Marcus Milchep brought up was uh, problem number two, is people who bought in with floating interest rate debt. Now, I have screamed for 33 years to not use adjustable rate mortgages in in um, real estate investing. It's it's just a time bomb. And I don't know why. I just, I, at the last uh, seminar I did, I played a 15-minute video of probably 30 or 40 shots of me live in seminars 
telling people don't do these loans over the last two or three years. And guess what? They still did them. Go to the third one, and that is office space. And they're saying office space is going to be a real problem because the whole dynamics of how people work has changed since COVID. And people are not going back to work. In fact, the numbers are astonishing, to, to say the least. Office workers not or that are going back, that have gone back to work, the numbers prove out, and this is very, very interesting, that in Texas, about 60 to 70% of the workforce is going back to work. So that's a reduction of 30 to 40% of the people are not going back to work. That's unbelievable. So that means that office space is no longer needed. When you look at the other major cities, every major democratically run city to where it's majority democratic vote, only 30 to 40% of the people are going back to work. This whole class of people have decided not to go back to work. Now, that doesn't mean they're not working. Some of them are working from home. In fact, I think the article is stating that a majority of these people have now picked up work from home. What is that going to do to the real estate in those cities? It's going to devastate it. Say, well, how big of of a problem is that? Well, this is the part that got me. Office space real estate is 30% of all commercial real estate. I would have never guessed that. 30%, and they're saying that 30% of the real estate has anywhere from, you know, 60 to 70% chance of not being needed in the democratically controlled cities to uh, 30 or 40% of it not being needed in the Republican controlled areas. When you think about that for a second, wow. That's got to put a hurt out there on real estate in general. Why? Because the bank's going to take a loss on these. And if they don't take a loss, at least all the investors are going to take a loss. And overall values are going to be shattered. Now, will that affect multifamily? M&M, Marcus and Milchep doesn't seem to think that it's going to have much of an effect on it. Uh, to me, I think in general, whenever the marketplace in general, quote unquote, you see me doing air quotes there, um, starts to feel pain, everybody gets scared, whether it's your type of real estate that goes vacant or not. You look at vacant building, right? You know, you own an apartment complex and the three office buildings right next to you are vacant. You're going, man, it's going to be hard to lease to people when 70% of the people are gone. They're not showing up to work, right? They don't need to live right here next to work because they're not going to work. They're going somewhere else. So I predict that the inner city apartment complexes, where or wherever the commercial real estate is that they're going to start losing it, I think those apartments are going to feel a vacancy problem. And that vacancy problem is going to lead to a reduction in NOI, net operating income. And with the reduction in income, net NOI, net operating income, 
uh, you're going to see value problems, and value problems are going to be when you all of a sudden you got to refinance because your your two year, three year, five year, or seven year loan comes due, and your property's not worth as much as it used to be because hey, quite honestly, you're at eighty percent occupancy, you used to be at ninety five or ninety eight. Like we're right now, we're ninety nine percent occupied in my apartment complexes. It just I don't know how that works out for people. Right. That they're down to 80, but there are people already. You're seeing that the average has gone down to about 90 because of this recessional type era that we're going through right now. That, by the way, no one will call a recession. The government doesn't want to say so because that would be against their political success. Um, commercial real estate brokers don't want to say so because that would mean that um, they would have to agree that they're not getting as many commercial sales as they actually used to have, and they're starting to not make as much money. And commercial lending institutions don't want to admit it because, again, it's going to to tell to their investors. Remember, commercial brokerage firms are owned by somebody. Lending institutions are owned by somebody. And those people that own those are not going to want to hear from the higher-ups that their business is being shattered, that it's going down. And so they're going to keep up this facade. The only way you're going to find it out is like when this, like here in Houston, where this guy lost 3,200 units, which was $220 million worth of real estate, just went down. One day, boom, it's all gone. Guy, guy got in a plane, flew to another country to get away from the, his debtors, right? So nobody else is going to tell you that until it actually starts happening to where the news is going to tell it to you. Remember, I told it to you before they did, and you need to believe it. We'll take a short break. Be right back with more from the mailbag at the Del Wamsley Radio Show. to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a part of Lifestyles Unlimited? Del Wamsley tells you what to expect when you join us for the next live online free workshop. We've been here for 30 years. Over 30 years, we've had and or do have roughly 50,000 plus members all over the United States. We have retired tens of thousands of people and it's just incredible what you're gonna find that you're gonna be in here. Not only are you gonna find the greatest amount of information in education, you're gonna find the people, the most open people you've ever met in your entire life. Come meet the people at Lifestyles Unlimited who will help you change your life and empower you to stop depending on a paycheck, your 401k, IRA, or social security for your future. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. At the free workshop, we'll teach you the five ways to make money with real estate, cash flow, equity capture, appreciation, equity buildup, and the tax advantages. Like Dell says, we'll open our books and show you how the numbers work with both single-family and multi-family case studies. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. 
You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're doing the mailbag, and I've got an interesting one here. Uh, this this question is, Dell, what is the difference between you and Grant Cardone and others out there? Uh, the, the, the real truth of the matter is that it's scary when you think about it. I'll go ahead and share it with you. 33 years ago, I started Lifestyles because I had retired, retired as a real estate investor. And I had nothing to do, and people would ask me to help them. And so I started a program where... I would help people, but it was after I'd gone to lots of programs to, you know, I just was retired, I was bored, so I was going to these programs, and I'm going to give you some names, Dave Dodato, Robert Allen, Jeff McCone, Tommy Vu, The Milans, Ron LeGrand, Carl and Sheets, uh, they're, they're all out there, even Donald Trump had a program, every single one of those programs are gone because they all got sued out of business or shut down by the government. And what they basically were was education, real estate educational programs that didn't have a lot of meat to them. In fact, many of the things they taught you were basically illegal, and they were not sustainable as a way to create companies and and retire on. They were just ideas of how to you know pull off some slick moves in real estate to make a little money, normally with nothing down type stuff because people were broke and they were they were marketing the program to broke people. Well, I decided that that isn't what the world needed, that the real what the world really needed was an educational program where you not only got the information, but you got the service and the support to be able to pull this off and to have information that would actually educate you on how real estate, the real business of real estate actually worked. And so I started Lifestyles Unlimited. You notice it's not Del Wamsley Unlimited or Del Wamsley this. It's Lifestyles Unlimited because it's not me. And it's about the lifestyle you create by retiring on real estate. Basic concept was you do what I tell you to do and you should be able to retire in five to seven years if you do what I tell you to do. And in the beginning, I was the mentor and the consultant on the deals and I would teach you what to do and then I would help you do it. That was the unique part that somebody actually would help you go buy real estate. Well, as our program grew, we had lots and lots and lots and lots of people. Now we have over 50,000 lifetime members and we had all these people that wanted to get into deals and they it became very easy for people to syndicate here to raise capital to to put together partnerships as we call them but they're really syndications and they would go out and buy stuff together as groups quote unquote and later just pure syndications where one guy put the deal together and you know other people got in at first, it was just partnerships, groups of people say, hey, let's get two or three guys together. Let's go buy this because we can't afford to buy it by ourselves, etc." right? So as this went on over time, a lot of very greedy people decided that I'm going to go out there and use this concept to make me rich, not to teach other people how to be rich, but how to make me rich. Grant Cardone was one of them. Grant Cardone was a used car salesman, and then he had a course on how to sell cars. 
and everything about his course, and then he came up with the 10X course on how to get rich, and everything about his course is, you've got my money. You need to give me my money. I want my money. I want it now. It was mean. It was aggressive. It was arrogant. And it was about taking other people's money. It wasn't about providing good service to other people. You know, I say if you help enough other people get what they want in life, you can have whatever you want. He says there's enough people out there to get what you want. You just got to make them give you their money is basically the concept. Well, Grant got an idea after watching our program. I'm sure he did because he didn't come up with it himself. He didn't invent it. He says he's been in real estate for 30 years. I defy him. I have asked him many times. This is live, guys. I'm, this is, defy him to show me the real estate he owned 30 years ago. He might own one little rent house. <laughs> when he was a used car salesman, but he didn't own apartment complexes. He got the syndication stuff by watching other people. And I'm betting it was my program that he watched to learn how to syndicate. But once he got his, I got his claws into it and saw that he could raise millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to do real estate deals. And he could take large, large, large parts of the profit up front during the middle and on the back end of these deals, he decided to use educational marketing uh, system to enhance his program. And what he did was he started telling people he was teaching them how to do real estate. And by the way, there's other people that have left my program directly that are doing the same thing. They're teaching people how to do real estate simply to get them to come and get in front of them so they can then talk to them about their syndications. And what they do is they say, I'll teach you how to do this. You get there and they tell you the basics. So you get excited about real estate and then they go, but it's very, very complicated to do. And without me really being there to help you in the deal, you're probably not going to do very well at it. So probably what you should do is go ahead and do a deal. and Let me be a part of that deal or in Cardone's case, the entire deal, just get in my deal. I heard Grant Cardone one time on a video Tell the guy that had almost no money at all, like 10000 bucks. he goes, can I get into your syndication? And Cardone goes, well, you only got 10000 bucks. You're broke. You're, you're nothing. Your life is terrible. You might as well put the 10000 in. You might make some money from the 10000 because whatever it is you're doing with your money isn't working for you right now, and that's why you got no money. So might as well just throw it in and get involved. And I'm thinking, wow, that is the worst I've ever heard, you know. Because that $10,000 could go and buy that guy a rent house. He can make ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 on that instant capital gains, you know, in captured equity. He could make a cash on cash return of anywhere from 10 to 15%. And Cardone, I don't have any idea what he's paying, but I, I hear it's less than 5% return to his people. Might even be one or two. Bottom line is, I, I'm pretty sure he's not paying very much. And, you know, if he's willing to bring all of this to light and, and share it, I'd be happy to show him our failures and our successes. Because our failures are based on people that did their own deals, didn't listen to what we said, and did them. Our successes are based on people that did listen to what we say and did it and became successful. In neither of those circumstances, you say, I did it. I don't take any part. Lifestyles doesn't take any part of any of these deals. The only way we make any money off any of these deals, I have sister companies. I own real estate companies all over the country. I own mortgage companies. And we might get uh, lucky enough to find a deal and as an agent or brokering company, uh, get them a deal and bring it to them. And they, they might want to buy that deal. And of course, we'd get some commissions, but they don't have to buy from us, right? So 
That's the difference. Now, there are other people out there that are doing this um, simply to raise capital, and none of them are teaching you how to really do this to the point that we do. There's just no way. We have massive amounts of education. We have uh, many, 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 many mentors that are successful millionaires and consultants that are been in the business for years as operational consultants. So they, they don't even come close to comparing to what we do. The next uh, email that I have here states, uh, so in your educated opinion, you don't see the management LLC adding any insulation in terms of legal action. Do you think I wasted my time putting these properties into individual LLCs and starting this management LLC? Okay, so the, the original um, point the guy made was he bought uh, a bunch of rent houses and he purchased an LLC to put each one of the rent houses in. And then he purchased a, and you notice the term I'm saying purchased instead of set up. And then he set up a management company to run the properties, right? Now this would on the surface seem to be very, very logical. By the way, I'm not an attorney and I'm not a CPA. So this is just my opinion that I'm giving you. Uh, after 33 years of doing this and being having every kind of attorney in the world working for me for need because it always comes up. There's something always coming up. So the bottom line is that, first of all, just what we've done. In my, my experience, what we've done at Lifestyles, what I've done is that most people don't put single-family houses into LLCs. Why? Because you can't get good, strong Fannie Mae financing that way. Number two reason, if you actually touch your real estate tenants in any way, shape, or form. So you're the one, you personally are making the decisions uh, of what gets fixed and doesn't get fixed. That might be protected by the LLC. Uh, and by the way, if the LLC, if they sue you, they can still get everything that's inside of the LLC, so they can still get the house, right? But what the guy was really trying to do was protect his own personal net worth from a tenant coming after him. So if, if something like that, then, then something with the, went wrong with the house, they could sue you or they could sue the, the LLC. Now, by the way, they would always sue you and the LLC, but the attorney would try to say, well, the LLC owns it. You need to sue them. This guy has nothing to do with it. The next level is what if you actually talk to the tenant? What if you make promises when you lease to them? Oh, this house is nice. You'll like this house. Uh, and then the house isn't nice. You, not the LLC, made promises. And or you said something to them like, I'm not going to lease to you because uh, you're blank. And you can put whatever blank thing you want to put in there that's now against the law to discriminate against. And uh, or maybe he doesn't even tell them that, but he just does that and he gets sued for discrimination. The fact that you as a human being put your paws on that deal and touch that person in some way, in my mind, means they're going to be able to sue you and the LLC. So I've always had a name for this. I call this inside liability and outside liability. There's inside liability that they will sue you for something that's actually a problem for the LLC. And if they win that, they get whatever's in the LLC. Then there's outside liability is whatever you personally did that gets you sued. And that they can take everything you own. So let's say you hit somebody in a car and you, you kill them in a car, you injure them in a car. 
Just because you own a real estate LLC doesn't mean they can't take it. They'll take the LLC. They'll take all of your assets, whatever they can find, uh, if they can get an attorney good enough to join them into the lawsuit. So it doesn't really work. Now let's talk about the management LLC. The management LLC would be fine if someone else worked for the management company, did the work. But again, if you are the one doing the work, quote unquote, inside the management company as an employee of the management company, now it becomes a little complicated and only an attorney could give you a clear indication of this. Uh, But to me, they now sue you for doing it to them. They sue the management company for hiring you, stupid you to do that. And then they hire the asset, the real estate, because the real estate um, is where it was actually occurred. Now, I think in this case, the real estate would be the first one to get out of the lawsuit because the, the real estate didn't do it to you. The management company did it to you. But the fact that if you're the person who touched them, I think there's still that possibility that you could get sued. So I'm not an attorney. I'm not a CPA. You need to check with yours to figure out what you want to do. But my thoughts to this gentleman were basically, hey, you need you've already done. It's too late. You spent the money. Somebody convinced you that that was the way to go. Okay. I understand that. But in our group, what we generally do is we don't put houses into LLCs until we've got the financing. Once we've got the financing lined up and we've used up our 10 loans, we may then take those 10 loans, refinance them into an LLC in some way, shape, and form. And so we can get 10 more loans. If we get them out of those Fannie Mae loans and get them into a commercial loan, then we can go back and use the 10 Fannie Mae loans again. That's a possibility. So we see that happening. Uh, there's, we use management companies, but of course our management companies have employees. So, um, there's that level of protection that the employee company could get sued and not the real estate itself get sued. Um, and again, that protects the real estate a little bit better, but understand if that LLC gets sued, they can take everything in there. So if you've got a million dollar uh, piece of real estate they can walk away with that if they sued the company. Well, folks, hope that helped today. And remember, always, it's not the money. It's Lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more of Dell's unconventional wisdom? Go to lifestylesunlimited.com and click the radio tab. Listen to past shows, hear podcasts on demand, and find out how you can change your life today. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show is part of the Lifestyles Unlimited Radio Network. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.